Beverly Elliott appeared to be a young, ambitious nurse that truly cared about the children in her nursing ward. Little did parents know that when Beverly Elliott would watch their children, horrific things were bound to happen to them. A person goes to a hospital to get better, but at Beverly's hospital, they would only get worse. Stay tuned to find out how and why this would happen. This episode contains discussion of mental illness and violence towards children. Discretion is advised. Welcome to An Easy, a podcast hosted by Lexi and Cecilia. This podcast is a collection of research based on haunting and mysterious events that will leave you feeling genuinely uneasy. Discretion is advised. Beverly Gale Elliott was born on October 4th, 1968. Her parents' names are Richard and Lillian Elliott, and she has three siblings. She grew up in a village in England called Corby Glen, and she didn't really come from a wealthy neighborhood or have a prestigious home life. Her parents were just very much working class. In school, she was not popular at all, but she was known as that kid that was like, wearing no. the wrist <laughs> no brace or the ankle brace at like random times i always knew there was like specific people that always had a knee brace but it was over their jeans yes yes and i was like or your knee the, is not like, hurt cookie monster sweatpants yes i was like your knee is yeah. not hurt yeah so this was Beverly. Okay. She was that girl. She was the knee brace girl. All, she was the knee brace girl. She was always having a bandage or something. Always said she had an injury, but like, yeah, the story just never made sense. And another thing that also contributed to what Beverly said made her not popular was that she was overweight. Um, she said she was picked on for it a lot. But she was also known to be very aggressive and a liar. If you're aggressive and a liar, then you're not going to have many friends. Exactly. Exactly. So whenever Beverly wasn't in school, she was in a hospital for what was a string of physical problems this caused her to have her perfectly healthy appendix be removed because she said that it was called, like there was an issue and she would constantly pick at the scars causing them not to heal for an extended period of time way past what was normal and she was also known to self-harm and doctor hop so a lot of medical practitioners in her small little town had really become familiar with her behaviors. They thought she was attention-seeking at the time, and she was kind of over-exaggerating what was wrong with her. So all of this lines up with Munchausen syndrome, which is someone essentially seeking attention by causing themselves to be more sick than they are. Right. I was going to say that sounds like something that maybe she can't help at that point if she's like because that's also causing herself pain like picking at surgical scars and things like that um whereas if it was just a young girl trying to get attention that's a really far way to go yes 
So Munchausen syndrome is a mental illness that is just like you can't really control. Um, but this did sadly cause her to have a laundry list of self-harm induced injuries by 1985. And this act also led her to actually quitting grade school by 1987. Right when she turned 18, she left. The bullying could also have been, unpopularity could have also been a factor to that. But she, at this time, was spending a lot of time in the hospitals. In 1990, when Beverly was in her early 20s, she actually went to nursing school. But just like in grade school, she wasn't a good student. Everyone said she had poor behavior and she had poor grades. And she was actually accused of some pretty wild things. She was accused of smearing feces on the walls of the nursing homes that she trained at. Excuse me? To, like, gain attention and to be like, oh my gosh, look what I just found. Miss ma'am. Yeah. That's going so far. Like, were they I have so many questions. (laughs) <laughs> oh wow i don't have answers to those questions um and i don't i frankly don't want to know i don't want how she obtained the feces. i don't <laughs> i don't want to know either that's let's just no, move I on from know. the feces her Munchausen illness did not go away she was constantly absent due to it which caused her to fail a majority of her exams and this led her to actually be the only student right out of graduation that did not get a job and the nursing field. So everyone just saw her as like barely, barely getting by. Yeah, that says a lot. If everybody else gets a job and you don't. Yeah. I think it's with I think it's a problem with you. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, she had a boyfriend in the night like nineteen ninety when she was in nursing school. And they were in love. They're about to almost get married. The tune does change as a couple of years go past and he realizes that like she has her own problems. He called her aggressive, deceptive. Apparently she even claimed that she was falsely pregnant once to avoid her boyfriend breaking up with her. Wow. And she also at another point to avoid him breaking up with her, she says she was raped during the relationship. Two th- to get his sympathy. Two things that, like, you, you just don't, don't do. want to lie. Yeah. Never. You just don't lie about. One being, you know, claiming a false pregnancy is, like, one of my biggest icks with people that I'm like, just don't do that. Just stop. And then sexual assault. Again. Just don't do that. That just, I you think. You can say someone screamed at you at a Walmart to get more attention from your partner at the end of the day, but like. Yeah. No, those are like huge life altering yeah. things and both in different like ways and different, especially for pregnancy, like can be, you know, seen as like a positive or a negative thing depending on like where you're at in your life. So I just feel like. It shows a lot of her character that she yes, exactly. would lie about those two very massively life-altering things. Exactly. 
In January 1991, Beverly's dreams of becoming a nurse did come to fruition. Even though she did not get a job right after graduation, she did receive a six-month trial run at Gantham and Kevston Hospital in Lincolnshire. She was to be working in the child ward, and this hospital was facing a dire nursing shortage. So they put her on a probational period just to kind of test her out. But they were really accepting anyone and everyone. They were like, think about COVID times, like desperate. And so they saw, basically they saw her grades and they were like, we'll put you on probation. Or was that kind of, do you know if that was standard? It it was probational because of her grades. Okay. So again, she started in the child's nursing ward. And on this ward, there were actually only two trained nurses on the day shift and one for the nights, just showing like how understaffed they were. So by February 21st, 1991, we start to see a different side to Beverly. I mean, we have some character flaws with her, but on February 21st, seven-month-old Liam Taylor gets admitted to the child ward for chest infection. And Beverly went out of her way the whole time he was there to assure his parents that he was in capable hands, that she would be taking care of him properly. She even persuaded them to go home and rest that the best thing for him was to be in the hospital at that point. However, when they returned back to the hospital in the morning, Beverly told them that Liam has suffered a respiratory emergency, but she was there. She was the one taking care of him and she was able to recover him. To even show her nursing characteristics even more, she even offered to spend extra nights on duty to watch over Liam. And But after this, like his parents were like, we are not leaving our son again. This did not stop Liam, however, from having another respiratory crisis just before midnight. But doctors like didn't really understand why he was having all these issues he did come in with chest infection but having two respiratory failures like not being able to get oxygen twice was not what doctors have predicted so they're like oh Liam will be okay like don't worry we will get him through this but Beverly stayed on his like nursing rotation and this and as she stayed his condition continued to worsen She stated that he became deathly pale with red blotches on his face. And again, he had another respiratory failure. Staffs were so confused how this happened. The the alarms that were monitoring his breathing at the time did not go off. It's just like, we don't understand what's happening to this kid. Liam ended up suffering cardiac arrest, severe brain damage, and was only able to remain alive with life support. His parents had to make the impossible decision to remove their little baby from life support, and his cause of death was then end up rolled as a heart failure. That's so sad, and like, it makes sense because he's so little, and it's traumatizing to the body to go through, like, 
respiratory failure, that is a huge system in your body for that to completely shut down. And then they three times, it, three times and then they resuscitate you. Like there's your body's working overtime to try to, this is my Grey's Anatomy speaking, by the way, your body, your body's working overtime to try to just like be better and for it to continue to happen is really traumatizing to your body. I'm interested to know why his condition worsened whenever Beverly was alone with him. Beverly was never questioned for her presence around Liam. She was actually praised for it. And everyone kind of viewed her as saving Liam as much as she possibly could. She was there whenever the machines failed for him and she was able to raise those alarms. She was there whenever he had his other two respiratory attacks and she was able to get teams then too. So his parents praised her. Everyone praised her for her attention and due diligence and this time of crisis. So she was never questioned. And again, his death was just ruled as a heart failure. But two weeks later, on March 5th, 1991, another kid, Timothy Hardwick, which was 11 years old, suffered a similar fate. He came in with cerebral palsy and was admitted for an epileptic episode. And again, Beverly was in charge of his care. So after just a little bit of being in her ward, she called for the emergency resuscitation team. He was found similar to Liam. He was found with blue and without a pulse and staff were unable to revive him his autopsy ruled his epilepsy and again Beverly was not seen as a potential cause to his death right because it's easy because they're already sick yep Two days before Timothy was admitted, a one-year-old Kaylee Deschmond was admitted for a chest infection. She had actually started to recover, and she had been in the hospital for about five days on that recovery process. And on that fifth day is when Beverly joined her nursing rotation. She was even admitted to the same bed that Liam was in, which is Beverly's first victim. Kaylee as soon as she was in Beverly's rotation, went to cardiac arrest. She was able to be revived for Beverly. And then she was transferred to another hospital. I'm so confused how this keeps happening. How they just... They're fine. Or they're suffering from issues that aren't related. And then all of a sudden they're in like... Crisis mode. Where like it's literally do or die. Mm-hmm. So at the new hospital, they did exam of Kaylee's body, and they actually found a puncture wound under her armpit and an air bubble near that puncture wound. However, staff just ruled this exam as an accidental abduction and was never investigated. So that was kind of the end of the investigation into what is happening to these kids. Kaylee's mom, though, would later go to state whenever it, 
like whenever it was found out what Beverly had done to Kaylee, that Kaylee is now on antidepressants to treat anxiety as fears that Beverly will come back to get her and kill her. That's literally so sad. She has a real life like anxiety monster, like not in her head. She has a real life anxiety monster that is coming for her is what she thinks. She was a year old whenever she was admitted to Beverly's care. And she still remembers. And that was in 1991. And in 2023, she's still taking anti-anxiety medication, antidepressant medication to treat the effects that Beverly had on her. So after Kaylee was transferred to another hospital, Beverly had to find her next victim. She was already working on Timothy Hardwick at the time. And on March 20th, she was assigned to a five-month-old Paul Crampton. Paul had a non-serious bronchial infection. Not serious at all. They just, he's a little baby. They're going to take him to the hospital, of course, to monitor him. But again, he was placed in Beverly's care. Then all of a sudden, he went into insulin shock And he almost went into coma three separate times due to his body being shocked. Each time, the doctors were fortunately able to revive him, but they could not understand why his insulin levels were the way that they were. He wasn't diabetic at all. He He had a bronchial infection. So they just didn't know, like, you can't fully control something that you don't know what's called being caused in the first place and this was what was happening to paul paul's parents during this whole process were so grateful for beverly because she was there to help him each time she was there to call the resuscitation team she was there whenever his levels dipped so low i feel like this is just feeding her like the whole reason she might be doing this by these like parents and fellow staff and doctors her bosses everybody being like oh my gosh thank god you were there thank god you were there like great job all this stuff when she's actually doing it so beverly was never diagnosed but when she was a child with munchausen syndrome but all the doctors assume that she had it. There is another form called Munchausen's by proxy, which is where someone induces medical illness on usually their child for them to get attention. So this happened with Gypsy Rose Blanchard. That's She's a really famous case of it. Um, but this is kind of where Beverly's going, where it really seems that Beverly is going. She's getting praise every time the nurses rush in. All the parents are so glad that she's there. Right. They think that she's the most amazing nurse in the world. And it's just feeding her ego. She's not a good nurse. We know that. Yeah. She almost failed out of nursing school, but everyone's praising her. Yeah. This is the attention that she was seeking her entire life. Yeah. Exactly. So Paul, due to the, just these insulin shocks that he was facing, he was actually transferred 
to another hospital to recover. And this is just because the other hospital that Kaylee and Paul were being transferred to were just a larger hospital. So Grantham and Houston just didn't believe that they had the resources on accessible to them to help these two kids. So they transferred them to the next one, to a larger one nearby. This is also kind of when people started assuming that there could be something wrong with Grantham and Houston. So they're like, okay, this is like a few children now really close together have all had these weird things happen to them. Like what's going on? But that kind of ended whenever Beverly offered to ride in the ambulance with Paul. She was obviously allowed because she'd been working so closely with him. And then at the new hospital, Paul went into another insulin shock. So people were like, oh, like it's just the kids. Like it's not the hospital because Paul also experienced the same thing at the new hospital. But... Beverly was in the ambulance with him all yeah. the way up to the new hospital. And you don't really think to point it to the medical staff that's supposed to be taking care of them either. So Exactly. Everyone thought Beverly was doing literally the best job in the world. On March 21st, just a day later, one day after Paul was admitted, Bradley Gibson came in, five-year-old, with pneumonia then Bradley went into unexpected cardiac arrest he was saved because of beverly after he underwent more, more tests it showed that his insulin was too high and no one could figure out why sounds a lot like what happened to paul he suffered another heart attack that night a five-year-old kid with suffering a heart attack it's it's just heartbreaking oh i shouldn't say that um, but he was transferred to the same hospital as other children, which is Nottingham, and only there was he able to recover. So after Bradley was transferred, one day after that, on March 22nd, Beverly found her next victim, two-year-old Yi Kong. He suffered another respiratory emergency where he turned blue and was in distress and he started to respond to oxygen as well after his attack, and he was able to be revived. But he was also transferred to Nottingham to be saved. Doctors did not understand what was happening with Yeek. They thought that it was caused from a brain injury from a skull fracture to his skull from a fall that brought him into the hospital. But these respiratory Failures are the same thing that had been happening to every other kid on Beverly's rotation. So after he got transferred, Beverly directed her attention to two preemie twins. She's Katie just and on, Becky Phillips. She is just on a roll. She is roll. She it's like she's like a fiend. Yeah, like she can't help herself. Yeah, a, I would honestly call it a high. She cannot get down. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Like there being like those instances where they get like a high from killing. Yeah. But I think she's almost getting a high from the attention more than she is the death of the actual child. Yes, I agree. I don't think that she needs the kids to die. But the near death experience for all of these kids 
calls her attention to be even more escalated other than just her being a good nurse. And that's what she's craving. Right, if she was, yeah, if she was just like putting in an IV for fluids, she wouldn't get the same attention as, you know, being there right at their bedside when they're going into cardiac arrest. So I think she needs like the full on parents like crying, being like, I'm so grateful for you. Like, I don't know what I would do without you instead of a person leaving at the end when they get better from their hospital stay and be like, thank you for being a good nurse. Like that's not, that's not satisfying her in the same way. So whenever Katie and Becky Phillips came into her care, um, Becky was actually brought in first on brought in on April 1st for gastroenteritis. And then just two days into Beverly's care, she sounded the emergency alarm saying that Becky was hypoglemic and she was cold. So Becky wasn't found with anything seriously wrong and she was sent home. But that night she started to become convulsive and started to scream where doctors just didn't really understand how something could happen and they didn't, they hadn't seen anything like it before. So they just said that she was colic just to observe her. And she'd be fine by the morning. But unfortunately, that was not the case. And she did die that night. A two-month-old baby. An autopsy was done, but no case was determined. And since they couldn't really find anything specific to Becky, they brought Katie, the surviving twin, to the hospital just as fear and precaution because both of them were preemies. So they were really scared that something could also happen to Katie. Unfortunately, Beverly was in charge of Katie as well. And just right after she was admitted, Katie had to be revived. She had stopped breathing. Luckily, her resuscitation was successful. Um, But Beverly just did not stop there. Two days after her first attack, Katie suffered another one. Her lung collapsed. The only thing that allowed her to heal was her transfer to Nottingham for more intensive treatment. They did an exam at not at the Nottingham hospital and they found that she had five broken ribs and brain damage from the oxygen deprivation that was caused by whatever Beverly did to her. That's literally so awful. Like that is a, I think it makes it worse because they're innocent little babies. Like they have no way to fight back at all. no, and it's just like, I know that she, nobody is piecing it together yet. But it's like, I see why they're not piecing it together yet. Because, except for this case. Except for with Katie. Because Katie was fine when they brought her in. But all these other cases, the the children were sick. So I see why they're not necessarily, like, you don't think to say, like, oh, that nurse is making him sick. So I see that. But... This one's interesting because Katie wasn't sick. She was potentially just coming in to find out if she would get sick. I think that the hospital just believed that Katie and Becky had something wrong with them from their birth as they both were preemies. And so for them to essentially suffer the same illness, it kind of just confirmed it without like a lot of... An investigation to what was going on and just like oh like something just happened like something was causing them to like 
stop breathing and that is what is causing them to be ill. Um, so Becky and Katie's mom was actually a single mother and she's doing all of this by herself. I literally cannot imagine what this woman is going through. She gave birth to twins two months ago, lost one baby. Preemie twins. Yes. Preemie twins. Like that's a whole different level too. Lost one baby and is almost losing another. Like my heart yearns for this mother in every way. But Beverly used this woman to her advantage in every way that she could. The twins' mother truly thought that Beverly was a hero in this, that she had been so attentive and caught the illness that was hurting the preemies. Of course, no one knew it was Beverly. And the twins' mother actually asked Beverly to be Katie's godmother. Shut up. She thought that Beverly was saving them. No, Beverly literally killed your other daughter. Imagine when she finds out. That's so awful. I think that's even, like, I just can't imagine that pain that you let someone become their godmother. You let them get so close of when you didn't, like, know the hurt that they caused your family. I just can't imagine that. Beverly obviously eagerly accepted this ask of her. It was just another way for her to get attention to show everyone as a nurse, like, are you as good as a nurse as I am? They asked me to be their godmother. Like, I'm the best. Um, and so I think this even, like, excelled her desire to make more people sick. Because she craved, I think that's even, like, being asked to be a godmother is even more attention than a parent saying you save their kid's life. Like, you are now family because you are that important to them. So after the twins, Beverly had five more victims, and this caused the hospital to just grow more concerned. Beverly had harmed 13 babies at this point, and this is when staff do begin to notice, like, okay, why is Beverly always there? Why is she the common factor in all of this? But a lot of people didn't want to believe that it was her. They thought that there was genuinely an airborne virus that was making these kids sick. Because as soon as they left and went to another hospital, they got better. So there must be something wrong with their hospital. No, it's probably the the one... <laughs> The one factor that is true across <laughs> all cases, which is... Yeah, Beverly. but I think that just shows, like, you never want to believe that the people that are supposed to be there for you and helping you get you better are the people that are actually taking the lives of these innocent children. So the death of 15-month-old Clara Peck on April 22nd, 1991, triggered an all-intensive investigation An extensive autopsy revealed that she had high levels of potassium in her blood, and this caused the police to be called to the hospital on April 30th. Her body was exhumed, and traces of lidocaine were found in her system. And the drug that was in her system is used for cardiac arrest, but it's never given to a baby. 
so this like showed that there was foul play going on within the hospital and things kind of just went into lockdown at this point. For the investigation, they noticed that all incidents began around the last two months. So it was kind of like February to April, which Beverly started in January. Um, And most victims were found with high doses of insulin, to which Beverly was the one that actually reported that the key to the insulin fridge was missing. She trying to, like, cover her tracks by being, like, the goody two-shoes that tells them. I guess so. I I don't know what this woman... Um, So pathology reports revealed that Paul had... 43,147 milliunits of insulin in his blood. That's one of the highest levels of insulin ever found in a human. That That's literally so much. In a human, and not in a, a baby. baby. It's a baby. Yeah. Like, that's a lot. Police believe that she had injected a whole adult syringe of insulin into his body, and that just caused him... To not be able to function anymore. I mean, that's a lot. Um, and around the time of Beverly's fourth victim, all the daily nursing logs had gone missing for that time frame. So this created even more confirmation that it's Beverly. And out of 25 separate suspicious episodes, 13 with 13 victims identified, four were dead. And the only common factor was Beverly being present on every episode. So when she was suspected, she was obviously suspended from the hospital. As a nurse, she was not allowed to be working during this time. Thank goodness. Um, But so police checked all records. All parents of the victims were interviewed and security cameras were installed just to make sure that this wasn't continuing. By July 26, 1991, Beverly was the main suspect, and they continued to just, like, kind of build their case against her. To which, on November, in November of 1991, seven months after Beverly's last victim, she was charged. During her interrogation, she denied all malpractice. She said she was just being a good nurse. You can ask the parents. She was just caring for the victims properly as she was, like, taught to do so. But when police got a warrant and searched her home, they found those missing nursing logs. And police did a deep dive into her. They reviewed her background, and they found those suspicious patterns we talked about in her childhood. They assumed that she had personality disorder, Munchausen syndrome, and Munchausen's by proxy. It's really unusual to have both versions. Yeah, I was going to ask that, um, if that was typical, because I honestly, I feel like we hear more of Munchausen's by proxy than we do just basic Munchausen syndrome, but I think that's also because stories like that perpetuate themselves because it's normally a mother to a child so they tend to gain traction a little bit more 
had significant proof that Beverly was the cause of all of this. Even in prison, she didn't not she didn't confess. And her mental illness kind of grew worse. She developed anorexia as she awaited trial, causing her to severely lose weight. She actually lost 70 pounds awaiting trial just by her mental illnesses. Um, she was charged with four counts of murder, 11 counts of attempted murder, and 11 counts of causing grievous bodily harm. So after many illness delays caused by, again, her anorexia, That trial began on February 15th, 1993. During trial, the prosecution argued that she had been present every suspicious episode. The lack of episodes when she was not present. And evidence about high readings of insulin and potassium in each of the victims by drug injection and puncture marks. She was further accused of cutting off her victim's oxygen, either by smothering or tampering with the machines. So we had discussed how some how for one of the victims the machines were not working but no one really saw the smothering I think until it was brought to trial which is to me smothering is just such an aggressive I don't know any other person that had Munchausen by proxy that smothered um their victims but also usually with Munchausen by proxy it's the caregiver that wants to continuously create health problems for the person that they are caring for. So suffocating them is not going to get you a long time of health problems for that other person. In Beverly's case, she was trying to cut off their oxygen just enough for the emergency teams to come in, save the child, and give her the attention that she wanted. So it is a whole new realm with that. Also in trial, her unusual behavior in childhood was brought to light, brought to light, and pediatric experts also explained Munchausen syndrome and Munchausen by proxy and related that back to what Beverly was doing during her lifetime. So her trial did last almost two months, but Beverly was actually only able to attend 16 days due to her illness. She was convicted on May 23rd, 1993. She was given 13 life sentences for murder and attempted murder. It's actually the harshest sentence ever delivered to a female in Nottingham. But according to Justice Latham, he said, it will commiserate with the horrific suffering of the victims, their families, and the shame she has brought brought upon nursing as a profession she's period true he slid yeah she will never be eligible for parole due to her crimes she was not sent to prison after she was found guilty she was sent to a high security mental hospital which i do feel like was most appropriate for her to get her the care that she needed but her munchausen syndrome did not stop when she reaches mental mental hospital she began ingesting glass and pouring, pouring boiling water over her hands for attention. To which I'm very surprised that she had access to both. Me too. I'm surprised. I don't know how she got... I mean, maybe she was working in like a kitchen or something That's like what that. I thought when but I was like, writing it. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. 
Yeah. Um, while she was in this high security mental hospital, she did admit to three of the murders and six of the assaults. And she did genuinely become really sick at one point in 2018. She actually received sepsis where she was placed back in to a normal hospital where she was essentially in the ICU trying to recover, which at some point is honestly kind of ironic because she was now needing the care of the nurses, just like her victims were. Um, but they cared for her and not, she did not care for her victims. So after serving 30 years, which was her minimum sentence, in 2021, she was, if she was deemed fit to transfer to a prison, she would have been given the right to apply, apply for parole or early release. However, she still remains at this high security um, mental hospital. So there's no report that she was deemed fit. But one can assume that she would have applied as soon as the date came up if she had the chance. In 2006, she even asked for a review of her case, but the verdict did not change. So definitely she would have asked in 2021 and transferred or asked for early release if given the option. Beverly's impact on nursing in Nottingham will completely change, has completely changed the area forever. The maternity unit at Gontham and Kevston Hospital had to close. They just, it was hard for the community to even trust that hospital anymore. So this caused a lot of displacement within the community, all because of Beverly's actions. <laughs> 